Hey, Rockheads. Before we get started today, I want to let you know about an opportunity to get face-to-face with some of your favorite .NET rock stars at Dev Intersection, happening this October from the 25th through the 28th at the MGM Grand in Las Vegas. One all-day workshop in particular is called Building Single-Page Applications with Angular 2 with John Papa and Dan Wallin. That happens all day Tuesday. Now, this is a hands-on workshop, so you bring your own laptop and do the work. This workshop explores the core pieces that help you build end-to-end SPA solutions, including the role of ES6 in TypeScript, project setup, code structure, using data binding and MVSTAR, abstracted remote data calls through services, routing, and more. You'll see several demos and be provided with the code throughout the workshop that'll help you learn and understand the Angular 2 framework. And if you register for a workshop package before August 3rd, you'll get your choice of a Microsoft Band 2, a Surface 3, or an Xbox One. Plus, you'll save nearly a grand. Get it? All right, well, register now at devintersection.com, and we'll see you there. .NET Rocks, episode 1348, with guest Giorgio Sardo. Recorded Thursday, September 8th, 2016. Welcome back to .NET Rocks. This is Carl Franklin. And this is Richard Campbell. Hey, man. How are you, sir? I am well. You know, the office is starting to gradually look assembled, and we've got more pieces in place. Still missing a few lights. Got hardware on order for new computers. Like, uh... And uh, Richard, you have been sending me pictures of your new office, and one of the things that you showed me was this beautiful red lit up push button that says... Uh, uh, on the air, which right. controls an on the air sign. And I yes. went to the site that you gave me, Dortronics.com. Yep. Oh my God, the buttons. They're so beautiful. The buttons. It's like, you know, you ever watch like Bugs Bunny where they have that don't push the red button gag? You know, it's just like this great big honking big button. They have those. Yes. Yeah. And they're like lit up and you can write whatever you want on them. You can have it say, under no circumstances are you to push this button right? <laughs> and just watch the hilarity ensue. Uh, what made me actually order from them is when I saw one of their sample products and the button actually said panic. Yeah, like, that's great. Okay, somebody who's that funny deserves some money. Um, not inexpensive buttons. Dortronics are you know industrial-grade gear. These are literally the button buttons for shutting down heavy-duty equipment and things like that. But you can get them custom-matched. So I had one etched with on the air. And it might actually go well with my Better Know framework today. Awesome. So roll the crazy music. All right, dude, what do you got? And I think Giorgio will enjoy this one as well. Uh, I can wait. All right. This one actually came from Ron Dagdag, who I don't know if that's his name, but you know that's his Twitter account. And uh, he basically highlighted a little video that he made with a Windows 10 arduino board called latte panda okay that's a hilarious <laughs> name for starters yes latte panda <laughs> so latte panda. if you go to lattepanda.com or you know this is show 1348 you can always go to 1348.pwop.me so let me just tell you about the fully loaded version okay so it tops out with a quad core 1.8 gigahertz intel cherry trail atom x5 processor 
4 gigs of RAM, 64 gigs of eMMC storage, Wi-Fi, Bluetooth, USB 2, and 3. It runs Windows 10, and it supports Connect 1 and Leap Motion. 139 bucks. Holy cow. I mean, that's just a full-bore computer. It's a full-bore PC for 139 bucks. That's amazing. Isn't that cool? And you can get them, as I said, at LattePanda.com or at LattePandaCN. And, jeez. Uh, Wow. Why are you still here? Yeah. What are you doing <laughs> listening to this stupid show? Go, go get one. Pause go get the two. show. We'll be here. Pause us. Go order it. <laughs> go order it. Come back. <laughs> oh, man. That's so funny. That's yeah. beautiful. I, you know, and they come with barbecue sauce or sweet and sour. So. <laughs> <laughs> sure they do. Yeah. You funny man, Mr. Uh, Franklin. It's You're pulling very out funny. old Monday's joke. Nice find. Thank you. Who's talking to us, Richard? Grabbed a comment off a show, 1112. That's 1112. That's the one we did with Tim Huckabee when we were talking about Connect. I would have grabbed a comment off of Giorgio's show, but it was from 2011. It was about deploying IE9. Yeah. And it was like, that's eh, a few years ago. Let's let that go. Plus, he's done a few more things since then. He's done a few things since then. <laughs> I know we're going to go down you know, this sort of emerging experiences line. So I thought a tap from, from the Huckabee made a lot of sense. Yeah. But of course, the comment's completely off topic. I just, here I am looking, you know, I groom comments very carefully. I look yes. very carefully for comments that are yes. really relevant and so forth. And every so often you run across one where you're like, I'm just reading this. <laughs> this is this is from Richard Morgan, and it says, After all these years and endless learning from every episode of .NET Rocks, today, the most timely and important lesson was shared by Richard. Yeah. Baking soda and hydrogen peroxide should be used to remove skunk smell from your dog. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Richard Campbell, life hacker. <laughs> Just last night, I was trying to use tomato juice, and the results were unsatisfactory smelly tomato juice that doesn't work <laughs> so thank you from me and my family yeah and uh he also commented again on his own comment it says hey i think i heard carl mentioning the comment at the beginning of another show but not in the context of a mug so i guess that's as close as i'm going to get to fame richard you are wrong you're actually getting a dot net rocks mug for that comment. yeah so. hey, you know how i get rid of uh skunk smell oh I don't have a dog. That's there you how go. I get it. <laughs> and, I, and I'll tell you the honest truth about getting, because Karen Terrier, Zach, my Karen Terrier, they're double coated. They have a, a lower real soft coat that holds in the heat and then a heavy wire coat on top. You, yeah. you get skunk smell out of that's impossible. So yeah. he got four different washings after being skunked mm. and still for about six months, every time that dog was wet, he smelled like skunk. Oh. And it just, it's gone now, but it took a long time. There's some things just difficult to do. So when he walked in the door, did your wife look at you and go, Richard? Uh, no, no. <laughs> did you ever hear this story when the dog got skunked? Yeah, I did. I, I wasn't home. I was, in, I was in the Netherlands. I yeah. was working. Yeah, you right? told us. Yeah, and I had the I had the back door camera on, so I actually watched the dog run up in a panic of skunk, <laughs> and watched them treat the dog on the back deck, holding their noses. And you co probably couldn't hear anything, right? No, couldn't hear a thing. Just saw the agony. Yeah, you just saw them fainting. Oh God, it's so bad. <laughs> and it, and and literally this the the stuff that was almost like the Chernobyl accident. <laughs> the stuff that was used on the dog immediately after the spraying, it was thrown away. Yes. You just buried it. In a hole. Yeah, I mean, 
There's you're not nothing you can do to get the skunk smell out of the, those towels, oh. those and the, and her gloves and like everything they tried to do. Just and the dog was in a panic. Like let me right. tell you, getting yeah. a face full of, of skunk musk, it hurts. Oh yeah. So yeah, it was really all he wanted to do. All he wanted to do was come in the house. That's uh, all he wanted. Not to a do. good day for Zacky Wacky. Nope, it was a t- tough day. <laughs> Uh, so, Richard, thank you so much for your comment. The .NET Rocks mug is on its way to you. And if you'd like a .NET Rocks mug, write a comment on the website at .NETrocks.com or via any of our social media. We publish every show to Google Plus and Facebook. And if you comment there, we read it on the show, we'll send you a mug. And definitely follow us on Twitter. He's at Rich Campbell. I'm at Carl Franklin. And send us a tweet. We feed him to the dogs. Nice. And now let's bring back to the show Giorgio Sardo. He's a senior director in the Windows and Devices Group at Microsoft, focusing on helping developers worldwide to build successful app experiences on Windows 10 devices and the Microsoft platform. Welcome back, Giorgio. It's a pleasure to be back after this many years. Yes, too absolutely. long, man. Too long. What do you think? Did you <laughs> did you order a latte panda during that last bit? <laughs> you know, I was I was just watching out the website while you guys were talking about your dogs. Mm. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's pretty cool. I, I remember it's back in cool. the in the original days of IoT where Microsoft had the Phoenix board, I think, and they had these other boards, but you couldn't quite get them. You know, they were. They were these sort of uh, out there sometime soon in the future boards. And now it's like Raspberry Pi comes out. Arduino now supports Windows 10. It's it's everywhere. And, and I think, you know, you just call out two uh, IoT devices that are in the market, but there are even more powerful devices coming soon. I think, was it last week, Intel uh, announced the Joule device. I'm not sure if you've seen it, but it's, no. it's very impressive. Like you can literally connect a Kinect sensor or like a, like in, Intel camera sensors to the IoT device, and you can run like GPU accelerated code on an IoT device. It's, wow. it's quite amazing. Oh, man. Yeah. Wow. It's crazy. So a Kinect 2 will run on this thing, not just a 1. Uh, think about, you know, using like vision sensors. I think what we demonstrated was uh, um, uh, one of the Intel uh, RealSense cameras. Yeah. Uh, and taking that input and the depth camera and then do all of the processing locally on the device. Yeah. You know, that's, that's just, you, you can then start looking and thinking about uh, building robots. Uh, what yeah. we built, in fact, was uh, a panda animal that was walking around the stage and <laughs> crawling the stage and looking at different areas and this in the, in, in real time, kind of defining the path uh, uh, path through the stage. So it's quite impressive things. So I was just playing with the Hololens again last night, and mm-hmm. uh, uh, I did verify, Richard, that that battery that I talked about that oh, yeah. uh, Shmuley Englard. Uh, told me about the fast battery yeah yeah that one actually does keep up with the connect wow it does so how long were you able to wear your hololens uh i didn't you know try to wear it out however the hololens was down about 80 percent you know to 80 percent 80 percent charge yeah plugged it into the uh to the charger and you know before long it was at 100 percent. so you continued to use it and it yes. actually kept up with your consumption and charged your battery yes indeed that's impressive Yep. That's cool. And that means you can put that battery in your pocket and walk around pretty much all day with the HoloLens. It's got to be a sturdy pocket, though. Yeah, got to be a sturdy <laughs> pocket. Maybe you, like, hang it from a belt hook or something. Be better. <laughs> we need a utilikilt for geeks. That's what we need. <laughs> utilikilt. You know? I'm looking that up. I was going to see if that site still exists. Yeah, it's got to. But, you know, it's some place that where you can hang your hammers and stuff, all that's fine. But I'm a geek. I got a battery. Yep. I got a, I got a phone. I got a, you know, whatever. 
I got an aerial antenna. I got a tinfoil hat, man. <laughs> <laughs> so where are we going with HoloLens, uh, Georgie? This is beyond HoloLens. So how does all this stuff work together? Well, I think we're just at the beginning with, with HoloLens. Like you've seen it, uh, uh, like you've seen the, the early um, feedback from, from developers has been outstanding. If you just search on HoloLens on, on YouTube, like you're going to find a lot of uh, video clip of apps that are in development. And sure. there is some very, very, very compelling things, you know, from uh, serious commercial scenarios and people that are uh, literally finding ways to be way more productive uh, at what they do in, in a commercial environment um, with, with a HoloLens device. And you'll also find some fun game or some fun application and some probably use of HoloLens that we didn't think about uh, before. Um, and we're publishing like more, like if you look at, you have a uh, HoloLens device. And so if you go to the Windows store on your device, you'll find that every week there are uh, new apps. Um, actually, I'm I'm having a lot of fun watching the, the progress uh, over the, the first few months. Yeah, me too. I'm, uh, you know, getting started with Windows Universal however, has been a little bit more complicated than I wanted it to be. For example, in .NET um, 4 or 3, and I think it's been there for a while, there's a, a really good speech recognition API that's robust. And the, the speech recognition, I find the samples to be, you know, even overly complicated. However, ultimately flexible, like you guys are using the, what is it, SGRS XML format to create grammars and stuff. Whereas before, I would just load up uh, the stuff in the code that I wanted it to recognize, and it was easy to understand. Now I have to learn a whole other XML format. Yeah, it's interesting. Like the the, the language uh, uh, capabilities in the platform have been evolving, and we are constantly. This is one of the areas where we're putting a lot of energy across the companies, not just on Windows. Um, think about the ability. We call it more personal computing. It's kind mm -hmm. of like the ability to talk and communicate with your machines or with your devices the same way you would normally do with a, with a human being. Yeah. And so right now, if you feel about using, if you think about speech, you know, in 2000 and, or 2010 even, like it's kind of like you're talking like a robot application do this thing uh, it's, it doesn't feel natural uh, and yeah. so we've been working very hard to to make it more conversational well that is true and the other half of what i was saying there was it's ultimately more flexible i mean it it's not like the old days where you get a, a wind forms example and you slap it together and you can get it in half an hour and boom you're done you really do have to go a little bit deeper but what you end up with is something that's really powerful and really flexible yeah, and ideally we want to find the right balance, right, between flexibility and also simplicity. And we are working on a number of projects to 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 make that happen. Sure. Um, but I think at the beginning it's all about getting the the baseline uh, right. Yeah. Um, one one project that you might be familiar with, which would be like our cognitive, it's part of the Microsoft Cognitive Services. It's oh, yeah. called Lewis. I have uh, used like, it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I what used do you think? Lu I used Lewis and uh yeah and and again that's another thing where you know it just if you're expecting something to just you know drag and drop and boom 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 you really oh, do no. have to invest a little <laughs> time in it but but it honestly didn't take that long. I was thinking I'm thinking maybe a couple of hours. And Lewis is uh, an acronym for something and you can tell us what it is. I've oh now you're testing me. I oh, think it's right. language understanding yeah. intelligence service. Yeah, I think that's right. Something like that. Basically, what it does is it takes a sentence, uh, an English sentence, 
and parses it into objects and and you know and verbs essentially and then translates that into a freaking API call right and yeah and you have this uh, designer which you can add phrases or come up have it come up with alternative versions of these phrases and how they map you know one to one into the the various items that can get called in your into your services but think about the power of that i mean the whole problem with speech recognition has been um you know okay i have these phrases that i can listen for but if you don't say it exactly the way that i'm prepared to hear it that doesn't happen but with lewis it's it's all a whole different whole different level of awesome Right. So in, in the past, like going back to your example, you, you probably had a simple API because what you could do was basically define uh, a bunch of options for the subject, a bunch of options for the verb, a bunch of options for the, for the objective. And then if you, if the user use these keywords in the right order, then you can recognize them and parse them. Right. Uh, what, what Louis adds is the, is the machine learning capability to get the meaning of the sentence, get the context of, of your sentence and the words. And then it does all of the magic behind the scenes to actually turn a complex natural uh, sentence into like a machine uh, understandable language. And you're right. Like it, it, it's not drag and drop. It takes some time to train. In fact, the more put data you put into the system, the better educated it will become over time. But the capability is there. So it might be a better idea then, whereas in the past, what we would do is come up with the phrases and the grammars, you know, based on commands and things in in the code. Instead, use a dictation grammar, which can basically, you know, just interpret whatever you say into an English sentence. Take that English sentence, send that up to cognitive services, have Lewis parse it, and then bring it back to you in the in the form of an API call. Yep, that's it. Wow. So you you, you made something very complex. Now it's it's more achievable to the human yeah. being that doesn't understand machine learning and doesn't know how to build actually that that complex system. And it's much easier on the client to do it to use a dictation grammar than it is to actually make a complex grammar based on, you know, options. Yeah, exactly. Let the cloud do it. Yeah, there's all these things that seem to be synthesized in some way or another in Hololens that individually offer interesting program opportunities. Like, I, I presume that Lewis is used inside of some of the HoloLens software, too. Well, I, I think it's uh, it's difficult to get into the details of of the platform and, and the applications. But like sure. I would say, we have a, we have a team inside Microsoft that is is working uh, on improving, continuously improving, like our intelligence of the speech engine, and, and and that service, that team obviously contributes to all of the products. So yeah. uh, right, what, what we expose to developers eventually is what also we are self-hosting ourselves internally, or even using in our pro own products. And the Lewis is part of the bot framework, right? Uh, well, the, the, the bot frame, Lewis is a service. And so you can use Lewis in any application, whether it's a client application on Windows, like through UWP, or it could be examining application or both applications. And so it's just a service that can be used by right. any application out there. And it's very handy to use with bots because, you know, somebody types a sentence into a bot, you throw it through Lewis and it ends up calling a, making an API call. Yeah, exactly. So the idea with bots is, you know, we want to evolve from uh, the, let's say, can I say stupid bot that you just send something <laughs> and unless, you, you know, it, th th there is like a, a, a silly parsing mechanism and it just gives you back some answer that is not what you wanted to hear. Yeah. I, I get, that's been my experience in the past with many of these online sure. bots uh, to a place where you can actually have a conversation where you can start a dialogue that says with, hi, 
how are you, right? right? And the bot knows how to behave. The bot can even understand eventually your mood as you have the conversation. Yeah. Uh, and so the bot framework made very easy to integrate with Lewis uh, and have Lewis be one of the services in the chain of, of conversation. Yeah, nice. And even though you're using the bot framework, essentially what you're doing is just taking a sentence and parsing it and turning that into a call. And whether that sentence is typed in or spoken doesn't really matter. Yeah, I think what I like about the bot framework, it's, you know, it's not rocket science per se. It's just like JSON messages going through different uh, social or different communication channels where the magic is, is where, you know, you take a, a sentence or you parse like a, a, a speech command and then you apply intelligence to that, whether you're using Lewis or you're using other services and you extract a meaning out of those sentences. And then you use that meaning to actually provide value to the user. That's where the magic really happens. And that's what the bot framework is about. So what else can you do with, uh, with uh, the HoloLens and related technologies that we're not thinking about yet? Well, I think one of the, the um, one of the things when we think about HoloLens that get me excited is that yeah, that an application on HoloLens is just a universal Windows platform app, uh, and so all of the code that you're writing can actually write, work on on other devices as well. It doesn't need to be HoloLens specific. Um, we're seeing developers that are starting to develop applications, even like let's, we call them 2D uh, HoloLens apps. Uh, so it might not require the full 3D immersive experience. It could be just a, a 2D experience that that you snap on a wall, and the same application can run on Xbox. On Corano yeah. PC. And once you do that, you can also start thinking, how do you connect the dots between all of these devices, both the Windows devices as well as the, you know, iOS or Android or other platform devices? Uh, and, and there are interesting things you can do uh, within the universal Windows platform uh, to bring those experiences together. And we're also investing with things like Project ROM on connecting the dots with, with other mobile devices. Yeah, and speaking of other mobile devices, how could, uh, and this might be a, I don't know if anybody else is having this issue, but I'm trying to write an app where the HoloLens actually processes data, let's call it photos or music or anything like that, that's on your laptop that might not be in the cloud, but stuff that's actually on your laptop. Is there an easy way to access that stuff from a universal Windows app that's running on another machine or the HoloLens? Yes, there are many ways, and it's and it would be the same techniques that you would use to have two laptops communicate to each other. Um, in fact, um, like one way could be to have an app service on uh, on your device that communicates data in the background. So even when the devices are not uh, all, um, when the application on the different devices are not up are not running in the, in the foreground, you can still communicate and sync data in the background. Yeah. Um, you can use you know the the holes can be connected to the Wi-Fi network, and then you can just query other devices on that network using the device graph mm -hmm. and start communicating with other devices. Uh, for example, uh, Project ROM, I'm not sure if you talk about Project ROM before. No, please um, tell it's, us. Um, it's, it's a new project we actually started and, and announced at the last build conference, and, and we are getting good response and we continue to, to invest on this. But it's the idea that we want to make easy for a developer that has uh, application running on multiple apps on multiple devices, multiple endpoints to connect the dots between one and the other. And so what allows you to do is, for example, to say, what are the devices in my proximity? And you can do that query. 
and you can know that HoloLens is a device in the proximity, which is, uh, I don't know, my PC or my phone. Hmm. Uh, and then once you discover the device, you can connect to the device and you can think about starting one experience on one place and then continuing that experience on the other device. Or you can think about using one device as the the third screen or as the as the uh, you say the companion device to the main experience. Um, so all of these things are possible today. So that's Project Rome, as in the city of Rome, Italy. Exactly. That's it. Very cool. And this reminds me of what is that thing you guys did with the Xbox, and you could use your phone for parts of it as well. I think you're referring to a smart glass. Sir. Yeah, the smart glass effect, right? Mm-hmm. Where it just sort of you, you extend the experience. Yeah, in fact, uh, smart glass like Project Rome is kind of like an evolution of smart glass. It's even oh, more powerful than that. Uh, it comes from the same team thinking, how do we expand this? And it's not just about Xbox and a PC, but it's about any Windows device as well as iOS devices as well as Android devices. So we are opening up the the graph. Um, and on Xbox, you know, you, you you think about this like on Xbox, you have this large screen experience running on your TV. And you're sitting on your couch, very comfortable, probably your feet are on somewhere on the table. And the only thing that you have in your hand is either a remote controller or is an Xbox controller. Right. And then you get into this website where you need to, I don't know, simple scenario, you need to authenticate. Yeah. It's like, oh, gosh, Enter then your you password. need to start going tap, 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 yeah. and you go through that experience, right? So think about that application now saying, oh, I know that there is a device in the proximity. And if it's a mobile device, for example, it's very likely that it's also close to the user, and it can just prompt an additional screen there and, and have you complete experience on that device. So that's the type of experience that we want to make very easy for developers to build. And this is different from just a straight-up UWP experience where I have a version for my desktop, version for my laptop, version for my tablet, version for my phone. No, actually, the application is a UWP application. Right. In fact, it, it could be even the same application uh, that you run on, on all of these devices. What we're offering that is new is, is uh, an API uh, to allow you to easily uh, find devices and communicate between devices. Right. So the fact that you've opened this app on multiple devices, they will see each other directly exactly. rather than indirectly. Yes, exactly. You're right. That's very cool. And we, we, we did an event just last week was um, called AppDev on Xbox, where we talk about specifically on Xbox. Um, and some of the examples that we show were actually these type of experiences. For example, uh, we built a sample application that is a party application where you can listen music um, in your living room, right? Let's just say you invite friends at your place, you just play music on your or your Xbox. Right. And then you want different friends to contribute, to change the playlist, you know, like when they say, oh, do you have this song? Or I want to cue my, my other song to that application. And so they can just use their device to discover the Xbox and then start interacting on the same canvas or the same application from any device that is now in the in, in that room. Well, now, now you're speaking my language because let me tell you, I have certain friends who always complain about whatever song is currently playing. <laughs> and I have gone to great lengths to have the, be able to hand them a tablet and say, go ahead, fix the playlist, stop bothering me. Right? Yes. Yep. <laughs> it, it's not a small problem, you know? True. And so our, our vision is to, and, and, and this is possible today, right? So with Project Trauma or with the UDPP platform, is that apps are aware of each other or are aware of the context around them. Uh, and so as, as 
having this additional information as a developer, you can be smarter, you can be more intelligent in your apps. Uh, and by the way, we are open sourcing the code of the sample app. So uh, I'll post the link, uh, like I'll give you the links to post it on, on, on this page, but uh, oh, sure. we're making the, 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 the source code fully available and fully open source. So if anybody wants to take a look and see how we've done it, like you can take a look. That's well, great. I don't think we said this out loud, but the, like Lewis is, uh, is not open source, but it is free. For now. That's right. It's free to get started, yes. Right. Yeah, we don't, we don't know in the future. It might not be, but right now it's free. In fact, all <laughs> those cognitive services are like that, right? Yeah, I think, you know, I, I, I it's, it's not my, this, this is touch another team, but yeah. um, our intent is, as usual, like if you are familiar with the developer platform from, from Microsoft, we want to make it easy for developers, for students to, to get started. And most of the times, you not all of the time, it's, it's free to get started. Of course, once you get to a point where you're running some million queries uh, on, on Lewis, then, you know, right. there might be different uh, price yeah. points. But getting started and building a simple app, it's absolutely free. That's when you get the phone call. <laughs> <laughs> you have crossed the line. May I speak to Mr. Franklin, please? Yeah. <laughs> I've gotten that phone call from new, many an ISP. Uh, yeah. But, uh, Richard, guess what time it is now? Oh, you must be that happy time again. You got it, man. It's time to unveil a new kind of experience for the middle of the show. What's that? It's holographic humor. Oh. You ready? Okay. (laughs) Here we go. And here it is. Uh, One second. It's coming. Wait for it. Wait a minute. Are you guys wearing a HoloLens? (laughs) No? No. Not right now. Well, that's why you didn't get it, man. Uh, <laughs> are you telling me that joke wasn't on my head? <laughs> no, it was on my head, actually. There, there you go. <laughs> it's actually time to give away an Infragistics Ultimate to one lucky member of the .NET Rocks fan club. But first, let me tell you about Infragistics Ignite UI. Ignite UI is the complete HTML and JavaScript toolkit for building modern browser experiences on any device, desktop, tablet, or phone. Designed for the enterprise, you'll create high-performance, touch-first, responsive apps with AngularJS directives, bootstrap support, and Microsoft MVC server-side widgets. More at igniteui.netrocks.com. All right, buddy. Who's our winner? Today's winner is C. Magnus Johansson. Congratulations. Probably Johansson. Okay. Congratulations, C. Magnus. Uh, Golf clap for you. And just for being part of the fan club, Magnus won the Infragistics Ultimate Collection. That's a great big pile of awesome from our friends over there. And if you don't know what we just did, go to .netrocks.com, click on the big Get Free Stuff button, answer a few questions, and join the .NET Rocks fan club. We have thousands of members all over the world. In every show, we like to give away stuff from our sponsors. And every December, we give away a $5,000 technology shopping spree to one lucky member of the .NET Rocks fan club. But you have to sign up to win. All right, Giorgio, it's now your turn. If you had $5,000 to spend on technology today, what would you buy? Ooh, well, I feel lucky because I already have a lot of gadgets. Yeah, but sure. I would say kind of your job. Well, you should get a HoloLens if you didn't, and I think everybody on this uh, on this call already has one. But it's also a very normal thing for our guests to ask for, too. True. Like, <laughs> if I didn't have, you know, I'd like to get a HoloLens. So let me ask you a question, and yeah. I know that you may not be the right person to answer this, but let's. You guys are still doing the whole developer 
versioning, right? You're still selling developer uh, versions of the uh, HoloLens? Correct. The current version is a, is a developer kit, and we also have a program for for commercial customers that want to uh, use it in, in in their environments. Okay, so let's say the winner this year says, "I want a Hololens." Is that mm-hmm. something that they can that we can apply for on behalf of them, and, and it's absolutely possible to just buy them now? We actually remove the step of application. So you can just go on the website and buy it now. Like, it sounds like a lot like a marketing oh, wow. promotion. I, and I didn't want to do that. But it's, it's, you can actually, anybody can go now on the Microsoft Store uh, and just uh, buy a device. And Great. No question asked, you get the device. Okay. And there's still $3,000, right? That's right. That's a great price point. Great. That uh, is going to be very helpful come December. I have an idea for your $5,000, <laughs> Giorgio. Oh, I have a few more too. But yeah, yeah go ahead. I, I was thinking thirty-six latte pandas. Yeah. <laughs> oh, you build nice. yourself a cluster, man. Actually, you could just hang them all over your clothes and wear them. <laughs> just make a suit out of them. You could be like David Byrne. And then I cannot imagine how big the battery will be. I guess it cannot fit the button in my pocket anymore. <laughs> well, you know, you get one of those big honking batteries that I was talking about. You could probably daisy chain them through all thirty-six. You know, you know what? One thing that actually I'm missing and I need to add to my catalog is a 360 camera. I've been looking oh, for yeah. some time, oh. and it's uh, it's one of those things that these days it's you want to have. You want to record videos in 3D in 360, and then uh, you know stream them on Facebook or bring them into your apps or play with it. I think that there are a lot of new scenarios coming up with uh, with these cameras. The product is moving so fast. There's so many new ones right now. It's incredibly hard to pick one. Yeah. It's just, this is a line that's exploding. What's the one you have, Richard? I have, I picked up the Ricoh Theta S for my my polar expedition. You know, the funny, so we're on an expedition to look for polar bears, right? And I'm literally with a pro photographer, a couple of serious pro consumer type photographer types, like literally tens of thousands of dollars of camera equipment. What's the photo they're most excited about? My little $400 candy bar. Yeah, <laughs> you know, they but and the best thing with it was putting it on a selfie stick, not that I'm a big selfie stick fan, and sticking it out over the side of the boat towards the polar bear so that you got a shot of the polar bear and all of us staring at the polar bear freaking out. Wow. That's nice. So, but I did not, you know why I bought that camera? Because the Facebook viewer worked for it. That as soon as I saw, you know, who cares how good a camera is if you can't show the picture? Yep. And I had lots of fun looking at your pictures of polar bears in your maligned hand. (laughs) (laughs) My giant thumb. Giant thumb. That's also why I use the selfie stick, just to get away from the camera a little bit, because it was was a bit close. But you could totally put that on uh, a tripod or anything else. Oh, sure. And it streams to what? YouTube Live or something? Yeah, there's a couple of streaming options for it now. I was thinking next time we're like... At a conference, you know, in a booth, we'll stick it on a little tripod in the middle of the of the table and just do our interviews with everybody sitting around it. So, Giorgio, talk about your uh, new role inside the Windows Engineering, the the PAX Group. 
That's right. PAC stands for Partner App Experiences and really focus on helping uh, developer building successful apps on, on our platform. And so we look at the end-to-end picture from you know getting started up to the deployment and, 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 and seeing success. Um, and we've been having some, we've been closing this group recently. Um, we've been having some interesting and, and successful projects since then. I can, I can share maybe a couple of things that we, we've been working on. Um, there is one project that we released just, I think now a couple of weeks ago, three weeks ago. It's called UWP Community Toolkit. And the idea is super simple. Like we have a lot of developers out there building uh, UWP apps, uh, application for the universal Windows platform. Um, the Before, like in the past years, we released an SDK that has all of our uh, controls and, and APIs for developers to use. Yeah. But we continuously hear from developers, hey, but what about this other controller? What about doing this other thing? Um, and so we wanted to provide a way for for the community to contribute code and to to share learning and best practices. And so we started this project, uh, UWP Community Toolkit. It's on GitHub, so it's fully it's fully open source. Um, and the response in the first two weeks has been kind of short of amazing. Um, we're seeing a lot of developers contributing ideas, contributing controls, uh, contribute. Uh, code that might they might have developed in their apps uh, with the rest of the community, which is which is great. Okay, yeah. Are these controls in in the toolkit? They're they're controls. Like I'm, I'm still trying to figure out exactly everything that's in this toolkit. Yeah, the toolkit has a number of uh, uh, controls, a uh, number of uh, uh, APIs and helpers. Uh, so, for example, one things that we did was uh, uh, pull to uh, refresh control, right? If you have a list view and you need to, we want to do something similar to what the Twitter application does, where you scroll down and and then you have a, a, a refresh uh, animation, and then new items coming to the list view. We're giving you a, a way to do that, um, or we have a number of uh, grids that have a different layout and help you mm. design more uh, flexible layouts inside uh, your application. So these are just a couple of examples of control. That's great. Um, one of the APIs that we released that has been very successful is the animations. Uh, I think you talked previously on this show about uh, composition and that some of the, yeah. the work our graphic team is doing at the lower level uh, to expose APIs that help you doing things like blurring or things like adding effects at 60 frames per second. And yet, these using composition APIs takes some time. It's a bit of code that you need to write. Um, and so, what we did in the toolkit is creating some very simple uh, helper library that makes that super easy. Like with one line of code, you can do uh, you can take an XAML object and say object dot uh, scale dot fade dot animate, and 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 all of that runs asynchronously at sixty frames per second, and it's you know it's moved to the user. That's really great. I, I mean, I love XAML for customization purposes. But you do really have to get down and dirty, and it's you know, again, it's it's just something that's going to take more time than you expect it to. Yeah, and so our goal is to make it easy to get started, and and we're doing all of this in the open, so that we're seeing developers contributing ideas, fixing bugs, or even us giving feedback about what what's missing in the platform. Sure. And eventually, we take all this feedback back into the the, the team working on the on the platform that, and are going to look at uh, how we can incorporate in future version of the SDK. And you're also uh, working on some other open source projects, right? Yeah, exactly. Um, you, you know, like I'm a big fan of uh, of the web and HTML5 and just web ap- uh, applications. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we've been working on uh, a few projects over the last uh, two, three years that have seen some good success in the market. Um, one is called Manifold.js, one is Babylon.js, mm-hmm. and one is Borlon.js. 
Um, so let me give you just the highlight on on each of these. A, you're a Michael Straczynski fan. <laughs> yes, and I like to end with JS. Um, <laughs> at least, mm. at least I can say we're consistent, right? Which is there good. There you go. Um, Manifold is about uh, helping developer building hosted web application across multiple platforms. Okay. Uh, we introduced the concept of hosted web app with Windows uh, 8, and then we evolved it with Windows 10. It's the idea that you take a website that is already well-responsive and it's rich and it's high quality, and you can run that website inside a native host environment. And you, that allows you to, A, distribute it through the store, uh, and Windows Store make it very easy to do that, and B, uh, now your website has access to all of the universal APIs. And so if you're running that web application inside an host environment that is native on Windows, you get access to any uh, universal Windows platform API. This gets us back to the IoT thing, right? Where you could actually uh, host uh, a web app on an IoT device if you so wanted to. Yeah, in fact, it's, it's, it's using a same or the same technology. And, and it's, is the leverage here is that as a developer, as a web developer, you already have a workflow and investments to, you know, build your web application. And you can just use this as an extension to that. And so you can easily yeah. have a few additional line of JavaScript code that now can call into native APIs in the platform. Yeah. And also you can make your web app discoverable inside the store, which obviously brings a lot of advantages. Yep. And so this is uh, working natively already in Windows 10. And we've also been working on how do we make that standard process where we have a manifest that is a W3C manifest that can be used by other platforms. Yeah. And Manifold.js allows you to do that. Uh, and as well, we're working with the W3C community on making this uh, available on other platforms. And right. there is a lot of momentum in the space. Cool. So what's Babylon? Babylon is... If you know WebGL, WebGL is kind of like the 3D technology for the web, right? Yeah. If you have a 3D experience on, on a browser, any browser, like that's very likely using WebGL. Um, WebGL is a very low-level code. I mean, you need to write primitives, and it's not straightforward for a JavaScript developer. Like, if you're a direct text developer, maybe you can get up to speed fairly quickly. But as a JavaScript developer, your first day with WebGL is going to be Oh my gosh, this is complex. Yeah. And so Babylon makes is a is a 3D engine on uh, on JavaScript built on JavaScript. It's it's a cross platform and makes it very easy to build uh, 3D experiences. Um, and it's been used is we actually seen a lot of demand for it. Uh, it's been used both by third party uh, developers and there are some quite amazing experiences on on the on, on, on online. And I can send you a few links. Um, but even our first party teams are using it uh, um, for some of the projects. Uh, for example, the Xbox team recently used it for um, one of their um, website that is like the the Avatar Assets Gallery. Nice. It's quite impressive to to, to see it uh, coming live. And the third one, uh, Borlon.js. Uh, this is about helping developer testing web applications uh, on external devices. And so I think if you're, for example, testing that you're developing a web app on your desktop, it's easy. You have tools like Visual Studio, you have the debugger tools from your browser. It's easy to test locally. But once you run that web app on a mobile device or on an external device, or even like on a number of uh, devices that you don't control uh, personally and physically becomes difficult to inspect what's happening, what's going on, and, and debug that experience. Right. And so Vorlon is just a JavaScript tool. Uh, it's a Node.js tool. It's a one-line of code that you add to your website, and then you have a, as an administrator, like a, a, a Node.js uh, dashboard where you can go and real-time inspect what's happening on, on different devices. So very, very powerful tool. Uh, we, we, we do this demo where I ask, um, you know, we did it in the build tour uh, where I ask a number of developers to connect to a live website 
and then real time I could remote into their browser and change things specifically on one machine, one machine on one user uh, browser. Nice. It's course, actually very interactive, very cool. Awesome. So these are just an example of uh, um, of projects we work on. We really care about developers and helping them, uh, you know, making their life easier, uh, building applications on our platform as well as uh, other devices. So what's new in the world of Xbox? World of Xbox, we announced uh, a couple of weeks ago now uh, that the platform and the story are open for developers. Um, it used to be that only a few, you know, elite uh, VIP and selected developers could build up on Xbox. On Xbox. Uh, now everybody can do it. You don't need to be a friend of Microsoft. Like if you're a student and you have a good idea about an app that you want to see on the console and make it available to your friends and put it to the store, it's easy. Uh, the platform is the same platform that we use for Windows 10. It's the universal Windows platform. The store is open, so there is no special task or special requirements. Anybody can develop and, and publish to the Xbox today. Nice. That's, it, it's quite cool. It's something that we've been... Wishing to do for a few years, I remember maybe a couple of years ago in a build conference, we almost say it's happening now. Uh, and now it's the time when it's actually really happening. So yeah. we are very proud of, of getting to this, uh, very excited to get to this, to this milestone. So if you write something for the Xbox, how do you get it to the store or have it show up in everybody's Xbox? Like, what does it take to do that? Yeah, so the first step is you can take your own personal Xbox and turn it into a developer kit. Right. And this is free. It's just like one click, you go to the website, free for everybody, and, and you can do it. Then you develop the app locally and you test it locally on your on your machine. And then to publish to the Xbox is the same process that you use to publish an, an application to a PC or to a mobile device or to HoloLens. You go to the store. It's the same store that we use for all Windows 10 devices. You have the same developer account, and you literally need to put the metadata like title, description, images. Uh, you describe the, the characteristic of your apps. You upload your package that you compile from Visual Studio. That's it. You wait maybe one, two days, and your application will be in the store. Nice. I just got, because I'm still restoring my basement, I got an Xbox One S. Yes. Plugged into a nice uh, LG 4K screen. Dude, nice hardware. <laughs> but it also nice. consolidated everything, right? It's your Netflix player, it's your Plex player, it's your YouTube player. Like we I think the first week that we've been playing with it, nobody's played a game. You know, who has time for games? It's just a console <laughs> now. It's a place that makes that TV work. And actually, I use it a lot also in uh, at my home, obviously, and I watch TV, I play games, I use apps, I'm developing my own apps. Um, one thing that actually is new also with the Xbox One S, and it really, actually it's part of the Windows 10 anniversary update, so you get also on the Xbox One, is the ability to run audio in the background. And so if you have an app like the one you mentioned where you have, uh, you're listening, using the app to listen to, to music, you can eventually put the music in the background and then start playing your favorite game on top of that, which is, I think, yeah. a very cool scenario in your living room. So I have a question. I just recently turned on the HoloLens after a couple of weeks and uh, uh, a new version of the OS, Windows Holographic, downloaded, installed. Do you, uh, <laughs> is there any way you can tell us what's new? Yes, I'll give you a pointer to a blog post that say what's new. Okay. Uh, one of the things that we, we, we collect uh, uh, for all the new releases of the OS, uh, a digest of what's changing and what's new. And we do this for both the Windows Insiders. Uh, so if you are on the Windows Insider track, 
and we give you all the details, details as well as you are on the production uh, side. Yeah. One of the things that I love, it came in a recent update. I don't know if it's the one that you're about to download or if mm-hmm. it was a previous one uh, on, on HoloLens is the ability to run multiple uh, 2D apps at the same time. Yeah, I could run three before and now uh, I just have a new version download, but I'm not sure how many I can run. And so that that's that's super powerful to have them all snap on your wall and then interact with multiple apps at the same time. Yeah. It's one of the my, my favorite new new features. Yep. Okay. Uh, we're coming up to the end here, uh, Giorgio. Should we talk a little bit about Dev Intersection? Yeah. yeah. So um, keynoting the emerging experiences track, something brand new for the show. Thank you and congratulations. I, I, I can wait. Uh, we've been working with the team. We're planning already the content with some some idea. I think it's going to be exciting to, you know, there's a lot of focus over the last year on how application can be smarter. How can we help developers build more intelligent application and services? Uh, and we have a lot of products here and there. And so what we're going to try to do in the keynote is to bring the story together and kind of give you some idea or give you some open inspired developers uh, to how can we use this technology to help apps be more productive, to help users engage more with the applications. Yeah. Awesome. That's awesome. We'll see you there. That's for sure. It'll be fun. Yeah. And I, and I really love the, the way the tracks come together. You know, it's not just all about HoloLens. There's so much to this emerging experience idea. Yeah. That HoloLens is only a small piece of the equation. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and there are a lot of things that, uh, honestly, like not everybody probably is thinking to build about HoloLens, but you, you might have a website, you might have an application already market, and you might be thinking, how do I leverage some of the cool things happening over there in my piece of code today? And we're going to show you how to do some of these, these smart things. Awesome, man. Awesome. I'm, really, I'm really looking forward to it. I think it'll be killer. Thanks, Giorgio. It's been a pleasure talking to you. It's been my pleasure. All right. And we'll see you next time on .NET Rocks. .NET Rocks is brought to you by Franklin's Net and produced by Pwop Studios, a full-service audio, video, and post-production facility located physically in New London, Connecticut, and, of course, in the cloud. Online at pwop.com. Visit our website at dotnetrocks.com for RSS feeds, downloads, mobile apps, comments, and access to the full archives going back to show number one, recorded in September 2002. And make sure you check out our sponsors. They keep us in business. Now go write some code. See you next time. Got a